The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Take your Bibles, if you would, turn to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24, let's look at verse number 14. Joshua speaking here, he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served uh, that were on the other side of the flood, are the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, this time. And Lord, uh, we thank you for the, the reason we celebrate this time of the year, the birth of our Savior and the great gift that you gave to us. Help us, Lord, as we with our families tomorrow, gather to, to exchange gifts and gather to celebrate the season. Help us, Lord, to remember why we're doing it and help us to make sure that we give you the greatest gift of all. So thank you, Lord. Bless all who are here. Uh, teach us and instruct us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'm entitled this series of lessons, and I have no idea how many messages will be in this series. Could be five, could be 55, could be 555, I don't know. I've been known to take a one, one lesson, a one-week lesson and turn it into seven, so I uh, don't know where we're going to go from here, but we're talking about being servants of the living God. Last time we looked at, uh, we defined what a servant, what a servant is, and we, uh, we looked at Webster's definer, de- definition, which says a person employed in the service of another. <clears throat> and of course, we discussed the fact that we're not employed by, by the Father, but we are his children. We are called and, and we are saved by the Father. And as such, we are his servants and we serve him. Uh, secondly, we looked at where can we serve. And of course, uh, uh, we talked about the fact that in the patriarchal times, the Lord worked through the family and the father, the head of the family, was was the Lord worked through, through him. Then we, we pass the Exodus and we come to the time of the temple worship and the Lord worked through the temple and through the priesthood at that time. But now after the advent of Christ, we, we, we discuss the fact that God now works through the local church. And the church is the entity by which God uh, does his work. So if we are going to serve, the place where we serve is in the local church. Uh, so we have to be a member of the local church. We can't claim to be servants of God if we're not a member of a, of, a, of a local church. We have to be a member of the church, but more than just a member, we have to labor in that church, and we have to, we have to be a part of that church in, in the prayers and in, in the labors and in all that is done. So the where to serve is the local church. Then we looked at a third question, and that was when should I serve? And, of course, the answer to that question is now. Now is the time to serve. Don't wait. 
We don't, we don't do it later. We do it now. Solomon said, boast not, th- boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Uh, you and I have no way of knowing whether or not we have a tomorrow. Uh, our life could end today. God hasn't promised us any more time than we have right now. So we need to use the time we have and, and serve him. And of course, remember, James said, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. Every time I see a, a, pot, a pot of water boiling on the stove or a pot of liquid, I think about what James said. Your life is so brief. Uh, now, if you've been around for a long time, we have, we have a lady where I work. She's 105 years old. 105. She comes out there in the morning and it takes her 25 minutes to walk from her room to the dining room, which is only about 30 feet. And she gets there, though, and she sits in that chair and falls asleep. And sometimes the nurse's aides will come up and say, is she sleeping again? I tell them, look, she's 105. Give her a break. She got down here. That's enough. But our life is brief. You may live to be 105. I hope I don't, but you might. But that's, that's just a, a drop in the bucket in comparison to eternity. So remember, God is not bound by time as you and I. Uh, matter of fact, the only place you find time is on earth. And it's, it's only here that, we are, that there, time exists. And God exists outside of time. And to God, 105 years is not even a blink of an eye. So our life is brief, and we need to remember that. So we looked at those things. Now today, I'd like to take the time that I have to discuss three prerequisites to serving God. Three prerequisites to serving God. And by prerequisites, I mean things that are required if we are going to qualify as servants to God. So let's look at these. Number one this morning. We must choose to serve God. We must choose to serve God. We read just a moment ago from Joshua chapter 24 and in verse 15. Joshua says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Now, lest someone misunderstand me here, I am not saying that I can overcome God's sovereignty in my choices. Remember, Jesus said, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. So we understand this morning that God chose me. I didn't choose God. Uh, I, was, I was awakened and I was quickened by the Holy Spirit. I was, I was, the truth was revealed to me. And I received the the Lord. But it was the Lord who chose me, not me who chose him. So we got to establish that right up front. And we have to understand that. But, however, we have been, a word I like to use, empowered. We've been empowered to make the right choices. I'm I'm in the same body I was in before I got saved. But something was done to that body at the time I got saved. I, I became a new creature. That new creature is the, is the spirit of the living God living within me. And if I yield myself to him, he will guide me into all truth. Amen? Isn't that what the Bible tells us? 
that the Holy Spirit guides us into truth. And when it comes time to make choices, if we yield to the Spirit, we will make the right choices. If we yield to the flesh, we will make the wrong choices. So, we have, become, we have been empowered by the grace of God to serve him, to make a choice to serve him. Were it not for this empowerment, we could not serve God, because we would not serve God. Yet, as Joshua stated, we must choose whom we will serve. And he didn't say that, indicating that we have power over God's will in this matter. Rather, that we must select who we will serve. You know, there's some examples of that in the scripture. Moses, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25 through 29, it tells us that Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses chose, he made a choice. He could have, Moses could have assumed the office of the Pharaoh and he could have become the ruler of of the known world. But he laid that aside and he chose instead to become a slave, to be a servant and to suffer the affliction of being being a, a slave with the children of God and serve God. Moses made a wise choice. There's also an example in the scripture of a poor choice. I could use many for that, but I, I, I thought about Lot. Lot made bad choices, didn't he? And in Genesis chapter 13, verse 11, scripture tells us that Lot chose the plains west of Jordan. Now, what lied at the end of that plain? Anybody know? Sodom. That's right, the city of Sodom and, and Gomorrah, which many archaeologists say are located at the bottom of the Dead Sea. And Lot chose that. He made that choice. He made a poor choice. And, and you know, sometimes, sometimes we, we have to be careful. Now, when Lot, when Lot looked over there, he saw beautiful fields and he saw all that nice territory and all those beautiful things. But he overlooked the evil. And, and so often in our lives, we have to be careful because uh, as, as we were talking about uh, Jorge's prayer, a new job comes along, it might look great. But you better be careful because that might l- draw you and lure you down into a place you don't want to be. So when we make choices, we have to pray and we have to, we have to seek the will and the counsel of the Holy Spirit, of God through his Holy Spirit. And we must make wise choices. Lot chose poorly. Well, there was another man who chose well. And his name was Daniel, right? Daniel made right, wise choices, didn't he? When, when offered, the, when offered to, to, to uh, subsist on the, king's meal, on the king's table, Daniel said, no, I, I, I won't defile myself with that. And Daniel made a choice not to defile himself with the king's meat. Later, in, later on, the, Daniel made a, a choice not to obey the, 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 the law signed by the king, that he could make no petitions to no God other than the king, 
And Daniel, when he knew that that writing had been signed, according to Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10, he went into his room, he opened his window uh, toward Jerusalem, and he knelt and prayed three times daily as he did before. Daniel chose to obey God rather than obey man. So if we are going to be servants of the living God, it's not going to happen by accident. We are going to have to choose to serve the Lord. We must exercise the the power that's been given to us. Not Not to just blindly go through life, but to thoughtfully and prayerfully make the right choices through the Holy Spirit's guidance by God's grace and power. The ability given to us to make the right choice and to yield to the Holy Spirit is indeed a great privilege. And we must exercise that. Choose you this day, Joshua said. Choose you this day. This morning, men and women all over this country will make choices. They'll make choices whether to be in church or not. They'll make choices whether to support their church or not. They'll make choices whether to witness or not to witness. They'll make choices whether to serve or not to serve. So understand today that if you will be a servant of God, you must choose to be one. You must must set it in your heart and mind, I am going to serve the Lord. There's an old saying, aim at nothing, And you'll hit it. We must must aim at at serving God. We must choose. We must make choices and selections in our life. We must choose the jobs that will allow us the opportunities and, and help us to facilitate serving God. We must choose acquaintances who will edify and and build us up, not bring us down and tear us down. We must choose activities in our lives that honor and glorify God. This is so important for young people. I'm glad we got some young people in here this morning. Tired of talking to just old people. But we got some young people in here. And let me tell you something. Every, every choice you make bears a consequence. I mean, I mean, the clothes you decide to put on in the morning. Something as simple as that. What you eat for breakfast has a consequence. You understand that? Every decision you make bears a consequence. Sometimes those consequences are good. Sometimes they're not. But every decision, every choice we make bears a consequence. And we need to understand that. And so we we need to go through life making wise choices. Not just not just. You know, if it feels good, do it. I grew up in that generation. I can tell you right now, that, that didn't work. It didn't work at all. So, the first prerequisite for serving God is that we must choose to serve him. But secondly, this morning, let me say this. Service requires commitment to God. We read it earlier, Joshua chapter 24 and verse 
verse 14, he said, Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Now the word commitment, by definition, is the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause, an engagement or obligation that restricts freedom of action. Commitment is the mortar that holds the bricks in place. At my house, there's a, a set of brick steps. And my property, my, the, the, the ground in my front yard is settling. And the sidewalk on which the steps are, are, are put there is, the sidewalk is, is, is sinking. And the, the steps are breaking. They've cracked, the mortar's broken loose, and they're, I've, I've sent my landlord a letter twice that, hey, the steps are broken in the front. They need fixing. No one's come by to fix them yet. So when I break my leg, I'll sue her and I'll own the house. No, I won't do that. I wouldn't sue her. But bricks are worthless without mortar. If I stacked a, a pile of bricks here with no mortar, they wouldn't, it wouldn't hold together. They'd fall apart. It would, it would collapse. The mortar is what holds it together. And the mortar is our commitment in our lives. Without commitment, our service becomes subject to circumstances. You hear me? Without commitment, our service becomes subject to circumstances. Well, I got a cold today, so <laughs> I, can't, I can't go into church. Uh, well, something's come up, and I... I, I you know, it's, like, it's like in the Bible where... Uh, the king sent the, his servant out to, to bid people to come to the feast, and they all, one after another, made excuse. One said, oh, I just bought a new piece of land. I have to go check it out. Another said, oh, I just bought uh, oxen. I need to go and, and, and prove them and make sure that they're good. The third said, oh, I, I just got married, and I can't come. Now, he's the only one with a legitimate excuse. The other two, sorry, it doesn't fly. But these men made no commitments. And, and so whatever their situations were at the time determined their service. But we can't, we can't live our lives that way as, as children. We must make a commitment to, to claim. Now listen, you can, you can do that if you want to as a Christian. You can, you can make no commitments and float through your Christian life. And if you want to, go ahead and do that. But don't claim to be a servant of the living God, if you do. If you claim to people, I'm a servant of God, then where's your commitment? Show me your commitment. Without commitment, promises are empty and vain. Listen, that's why marriages fail. No commitment. Make a, make a decision, and you like, who, you like what you see, so you marry it, and 90 days later, you say, whoa, what did I do? No commitment. So, guess what? We just go down to City Hall. We'll file for a divorce, and we're done. We'll go on to number two. No commitments. 
On September 13, 1980, I stood in a Baptist church at, an, at, at the front with my wife. And I, I had her hand in mine. And I promised to love, honor, and cherish her till death us do part. That's a commitment. Have there been times over the last 37 years I've wished I wouldn't have said that? That's a commitment. That's a commitment. We, we made that promise to each other before God. And maybe, maybe through life there's times when you, you, you don't feel too good about that commitment. But without honoring your commitments, what good, what, what good are we? We honor them. We honor those commitments. And we honor our commitments to the Father. Nothing can be accomplished without a commitment. You know, in Proverbs chapter 25, Solomon wrote, Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. What good is a broken tooth? You can't, you can't bite down on a broken tooth, can you? You can't, you can't chew, you can't eat. Broken tooth, or, 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 you can't do a thing. And, and what about a foot out of joint? Anybody, any of you ever, ever sprain your ankle or turn your ankle or break a leg or a bone? You can't walk on it. it, it you can't put confidence or trust in it. And, and a man who will not keep, make and keep his commitments is just like that. What is an army without the commitment of its soldiers? What if, what if you're a commanding general and you've got a bunch of troops and you look at a real tough battle and you say, okay, let's go, guy. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going there. Forget that. It's no good, is it? And let me say this. What is a church without the commitment of its members? So, service requires commitment. What if we could not depend on the pastor to be here? Hmm? What if we all showed up this morning and it's 9.59 and pastor's not here? And nobody knows where he is? That's no good, right? Remember... We defined commitment as an obligation that restricts freedom of action. In other words, I cannot fail to honor my obligations to God regardless of the circumstances that surround me. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of reasons not to honor our commitments to God. There are excuses. If you, if you don't have an excuse, just go to your computer and Google Good excuses, and you'll find a, a list a mile long. There's lots of, and you know, people who, I've noticed, I've, I've noticed over the years, people who fail to honor their commitments to God never come to me and say, I didn't feel like it. They never, never do. It's always an excuse. Always an excuse. My grandpa used to say, don't make excuses because all they are are reasons to cover a lie. That's all they are. There's lots of excuses. 
People make excuses all the time why they're not in church. Well, you know, I was, I had, I, I was coughing. Oh, really? Do you, do you work when you cough? Do you go to work when you cough? Try that with your boss. Call tomorrow morning or call next time and say, uh, I'm not going to be in today. I'm coughing. You might, he, he may take that one time. But the next time he's going to say, no, you get in here to work. Excuses. People, there are lots of excuses. But let me say this. If I can find my space here. There's only, there's one good reason to honor our commitments. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Everybody turn there. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. There's one good reason why we should always fulfill our commitments to God. And I want you to listen to this very carefully. If you haven't found it yet, just listen to me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. When thou vowest a vow unto God. Now we can stop right here and say that's a commitment, right? It's a promise. It's a commitment. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in What's that next word? Fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Now look at verse 5. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow than, thou, that, than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. When we make commitments to God, when we make promises to God, you better keep that promise. You better honor that commitment. Because first thing I want you to notice in those verses, God refers to someone who doesn't keep their promises to him as a fool. A foolish man. And there are foolish men all over the world today. People, people, I hear people always say, you know, if God would only do this, then I would do this. Whoa, watch out. You better stop right there. You better stop right there. Because God isn't Monty Hall. And you can't play let's make a deal. It's his way or the highway. And when you, when you make a promise to God, <clears throat> when you make a commitment to God, you better keep that, that promise. So we cannot call ourselves servants of the living God if we do not commit to being servants of the living God. So prerequisite number one was to choose to serve God. Prerequisite number two was to commit to serving God. But then number three this morning, let me say this. We must continue in our service to God. We must continue. Back to Joshua chapter 24 again. And in verse number 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see that? At the end, we will serve the Lord. 
This phrase denotes continuance. What Joshua is saying here is as for me and my house, we are always going to choose, commit, and continue in our service to the Lord. We're not going to give up. We're not going to quit. Joshua didn't say, as for me and my house, we did serve the Lord. He didn't say that. He said, we will serve. We will serve today, tomorrow, one month from now, one year from now, ten years from now, fifty years from now. We will serve the Lord. Don't make, don't make room for quitting. Just don't make it. Take it away. When God saved us and called us, it was for our entire life. It was for all eternity. Not for the short term, but for the long term. And there are many bumps in the road. Many times in our life we, 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 we have difficulties and we want to quit. We want to quit. You might say, is it a sin to want to quit? How would you answer that? How many of you say, yes, it's a sin to want to quit? How many of you would say, no, it's not a sin to want to quit? How many of you would say, no? Of course, it's not a sin to want to quit. But is it a sin to quit? Oh, yes, that's a big one there. Forsaking the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13, Paul says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Paul said we have to exercise every authority of God, every opportunity, all the, all the, all the tools that God has given us, the word of God, the truth of God, the preaching of God, prayer, all these things, we must, we must wear these as an armor. And by doing so, have the ability to stand and withstand and endure. We have been called to serve. God didn't call us to sit on the sideline. He called us to serve. We have been equipped to serve. God has given you all that you need to serve him. On your, of yourself, you have nothing. But God has given you all that you need. We have chosen to serve. We made, we made a choice. When God saved my soul 30, almost 37 years ago now, I decided there was nothing better I could do with my life than serve God. I made, I made two promises to God that, that morning. And remember, you, you make a promise to God, you better keep it. The first promise I made is that I would never again allow a man to deceive me concerning spiritual truth. 
that I would become a student of the word of God and that I would learn truth from God himself. The second promise I made is that I would spend the rest of my life letting other people know about Jesus Christ. Listen, I chose all those years ago to serve the Lord. There have been many times along the way I've, I've grown weary. I've gotten tired. I, I, I've wanted to quit. I've wanted to give up. But I keep going back to that day. And I keep remembering that God could love someone like me. And I am, I am compelled to honor my commitment. So now let us continue in our service today. If we want to call ourselves servants of the living God, we must continue. We cannot quit. We cannot turn back. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul didn't quit. He didn't turn back. He didn't give up. Listen, you and I can't change the past. But we can learn from the mistakes we made. And we can move on. We can keep pushing forward. Quit digging up the skeletons in the backyard. Don't, don't look back and say, oh, look what I did over there. Forget about it. God's already forgotten it. If you've confessed it to him and you've forsaken it, he's faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse. God says, quit worrying about that. We've already dealt with that. Let's go forward now. The devil wants you to look back because he wants you to see what a wretch you are. But God says, no, look forward. Look at Christ. Move forward toward the Savior. Continue to serve God. Continue until we can say as the Apostle Paul did. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. If we're going to be servants of the living God, we must choose to serve God, we must commit to serving God, and we must continue in our service to God. All right, folks, I went over. I need to stop, and uh, thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www dot bbaptist dot org